Welcome back, folks. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh, and we're here to give you episode four in season two of the Loki series here today. Last week, Chase took us through the 1800s in Chicago, had some fun times in 1860-something, and back again in 1890-something. Went through a bunch of uh, cool stuff there. I will be the one in the driver's seat today taking us through episode four. Before we dive in and get started, I'm going to turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man, no good stuff. It just keeps building and building, but it's all you, Jay Nelly. Cheers, brother. Malice in the chalice. Glasses in the air, man. You got it. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and kick us off here. This episode opens with Miss Minutes showing Ravona Renslayer a memory. It's her and he who remains working together as a team and planning on leading together. It shows Ravana going through a time door back to the TVA as it awaits their command, and he who remains stayed back for a bit. And he remains, he summoned Mrs. Miss Minutes and told her to pull up Protocol 42. He tells Miss Minutes to erase Renslayer's memories and all their memories. And as that happens, he who remains says to himself, I'm sorry. As like, you know, no one's around, but he's like kind of saying it to everybody and the memory ends. And from there, Miss Minutes tells Ravana that she was the one who commanded the army to help win the war. And essentially, they come to the conclusion that they don't need he who remains, that they themselves can handle it together. And that's when the title sequence hits. At this point, the scene moves to Victor Timely. He's walking through a time door into the TVA. He sees the sculptures of his own face on the wall, which is strange for him since he's a variant of He Who Remains, not He Who Remains himself. So kind of takes him by surprise. And Timely is walking through the halls, and he's, see- he's seemingly confused. And he stops and looks at the timekeeper's mural, and he's mesmerized. At this point, B-15, Loki and Mobius approach, and at first, Timely's defensive. But they tell him they'll show him what's going on and that they need his help since he's the only one that can help them fix it. As this is going on, the scene then shifts to Judge Gamble, and she's chatting with Hunter B-15 about what to do with Docs and Docs's loyalists. Judge Gamble says that in the past, they would have pruned them, but B-15 herself said that TVA needs to change, and needs to change now, so pruning them might not be the best option, especially if she can convince Docs that this new version of the TVA is worth protecting. So Judge Gamble tells Hunter B-15 that B-15's words changed her own mind. So don't be so sure, you know, her words changed her. Then the scene moves to Mobius, Loki, Sylvia, and Timely, and they're meeting with Obi and Casey. Obi and Timely are excited to meet one another, as each was inspired by the other's work. Obi's engineering descriptions and Timely's electric bypass system. And I want to pause here for a second, Chase. Like, how interesting was this to watch these people almost meet a version of themselves together? You know, they ask for each other's autographs because they were really mesmerized. You know, when they dropped that TVA handbook back in the 1860s in Chicago, Victor Timely was just a boy and he read all of Obi's engineering descriptions in that handbook. Then on the flip side of that, Obi has been sitting here with all the, the bypass systems that Timely himself created. So, how did you feel about these two meeting each other for the first time and almost being starstruck by each other? I thought it was really cool. <laughs> it was, uh, it was kind of like if you looked up to a role model, but that role model was yourself <laughs> the whole time. So then they met each other and they were like freaking out, man. I, I thought it was great. I, I didn't expect it. So it was, it was, it was a really cool uh, moment I would say I don't know if they had planned it that way but whether it was just like a tease and it just fell into the way things went I thought it was pretty awesome yeah man for sure and from there Obi explains the plan tells him that one of them will take the thorough put multiplayer down the gangway and load it into the launcher then hit the green button to launch the thorough put multiplier towards the loom it will then dock with the loom where it will scale the loom's capacity to manage the backlog of branches. Loki asks what the connection is between the thoroughput multiplier and the loom in case he tells him that the rings of the loom aren't wide enough and that the thoroughput multiplier makes the rings bigger so more branches can fit through. But the problem is that there is much more temporal radiation on the gangway than when Mobius went out there back in episode one of season two. 
Mobius tells Loki that he's going to have to hoof it since it's his turn. Thought that was funny. So they're arguing with each other about whose turn it is. They had the little figure that, that they made the model of. He's like, no, that looks like you. What do you mean it looks like me? It's, it's got a helmet on. He's like, oh, it's your shape, man. It looks just, just like you. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. They had a little back and forth about who's going to be the one going down the gangway. But uh, the other problem that they're facing is that the thoroughbred multiplier doesn't work yet. And Timely says that it's because the loom's temporal decay outpaces the thoroughbred's capabilities. He said he had the same problem with his loom until he made his prototype, and he pulls that prototype up, and it's like the sphere with moving gears inside of it. And they decide that they're going to try to replicate that and make that, but Obi says it's going to take some time. Victor Timely says, listen, man, if anyone can do it, it's you. And so Mobius, Loki, and Sylvie give them some space while they work. Mobius says that they should go and get some pie, and Sylvie flips out. She gets on Mobius about how he knows he's a variant but has never visited or even looked at his spot in the timeline, that he should care about if branches disappear and not just chalk it up to another bad day at the office. All because he just wanted some pie, man. He just wanted to get some pie. <laughs> but the scene then moves to the holding room with Docs and X5. X5 tries to rally them to get out of the room because he wants to go back to his spot on the timeline. Docs tells him to cut the shit since he's the one that gave them up and sold out their plan. But X5 thinks that they've earned their lives and asks if Docs doesn't think that they've earned it. And she says, no, doesn't think they have. So at that point, the door opens and B-15 walks in. Docs tells B-15 she has no authority to keep them there. B-15 tells Docs that she doesn't want any of this. She says she knows Docs cares about the TVA and wants to protect it. So Docs asks her what she wants, and B-15 tells her she wants her and her Minutemen's help. B-15 asks Docs if they have to defend the TVA from Munsley or worse, if they can trust her. And then Docs flips it and asks, well, can we trust you, B-15? And B-15 tells her that they both care about the people here. So then B-15 tells Hunter D-90 to go help Mobius keep an eye on Timely. And from here, like the TVA is heavily shaking and lights are going on and off. So you know shit's about to go down. There's not much time left. The scene then shifts to Sylvie. She accidentally walked into the pie room. And her and Loki talk about how Sylvie refused to help and that she's only there because she couldn't kill Victor Timely. She says that he was so scared and couldn't bring herself to do it. Then Loki tells Sylvie about the time Thor was banished from Asgard and sent to Earth and how he was different and changed when he returned. He tells her about how he mocked Thor and told him he'd gone soft. She then tells Loki that soft gets you killed, but Loki points out that sparing Timely's life is what will allow the timelines and the TVA to survive since Timely is the only one that can access the bypass with his temporal aura. Loki tells her that destroying things is easy, but staying and fixing what's broken is hard. Sylvie asks what they're going to do with Timely after it's all fixed. Loki mentions maybe putting him back on the timeline and monitoring him. She chastises him for wanting to interfere for good, which they've heard before and it's a lousy excuse. But Loki fires back and says that you can't give people free will and just walk away. That's not how it works. And then just a quick two-sentence dialogue between the two. Sylvie says, Sounds like whatever we do, we're playing God. And Loki responds, We are gods. And that's when the scene shifts back to the holding room. X5 is telling Docs and the other Minutemen that they are going to get pruned the minute they are no longer needed because that's what the TVA does. It prunes traitors. He says they need a backup plan, but Docs tells him that B-15 has integrity and that she doesn't need to agree with B-15 to know that. So X5 says that he doesn't trust B-15, and as he goes to elaborate, a time door opens, and in walks Ravona Renslater with Miss Minutes. Renslayer lies to them and tells them that B-15 is setting up her plan to control the TVA, but if they don't, if they work together, they can stop her, which obviously is bullshit. It's Ravana that's trying to take over the TVA, but, you know, she's going to say what she needs to say. And some dialogue between the two. Doc says, the only thing you want to protect is yourself, Ravona. Then she turns to Miss Minutes and says, and you. This is really disappointing, I must say. And Miss Minutes says, I know, I'm working on myself. <laughs> <laughs> that show was funny. Then Ravana tells Docs that the temporal loom is imploding and the TVA is hours away from becoming a crater in the cosmos and driven to the ground by the two variants, Loki and Sylvie. So X5 asks what Ravona's plan is. Ravona tells them that anyone who joins her and follows her out the door and helps her restore stability to the TVA will have a life on the timeline if they want it. At this point, Docs remains silent, doesn't agree to it. 
Ravana says, I thought you could see the bigger picture. Then Miss Minutes fires up the machine in the room, and that's the machine that puts people in those solid cubes and crushes them. And Doc replies, for the first time, I finally am seeing the bigger picture. X5, he seems to be internally struggling. Doc speaks to him, basically asks him if his life on the timeline was that good to betray what he knows is right. He tears up but doesn't respond. And then Miss Minutes activates the cube, traps all the prisoners inside of it except for X5. And as it's slowly compressing and growing smaller, Doc says to Ravana Renslayer, she says, how does it feel knowing that all of us here would rather die than follow you out that door? And Ravana doesn't answer, but the cube crushes them all inside, killing them. X5, he watches on in sadness, but he still goes with Renslayer out that door. From there, the scene cuts to Timely, Obi, and Casey. They attach Timely's prototype to the throw-up multiplier. Mobius walks in, asks how it's coming along. Timely tells him so far it's going to plan. And Timely asks Mobius what he's drinking, and Mobius tells him about the hot cocoa machine. Uh, Casey, at that point, tells them that the diagnostics just went down and no temp pads are connecting. But it doesn't seem to bother Victor Timely at all. He's very taken with this hot cocoa machine. He wants to see it. And uh, they are like, oh, all right, well, shit's down right now, so whatever. And kind of, they, they tell Hunter D- D90 that he's going to take Victor Tomley to the hot cocoa machine. So from there, the scene moves to B15. She enters the holding room to get an answer from Docs. She walks in and sees the horror. Docs and all her Minutemen are crushed in the cube. Now, it doesn't show this on screen, but it kind of leaves it to the imagination of what that scene would look like with a bunch of people it just, you know, crushed bones, popped, snapped disfigured all destroyed in that cube so then she goes to access her tam pad her temp pad but the access is denied miss minute shows up on the temp pad screen shaking her finger saying uh 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 and then from there the scene moves back to victor timely trying out the hot cocoa machine and this is a really strange scene like there's this little like music in the background was elevator type music while he's pressing the hot cocoa machine button he makes a cup and he looks, thinks about drinking it, then looks at Hunter D90 just standing there, and he ends up offering it to D90, and D90 refuses at first, but then he like insists, and he ends up accepting it. So he takes a sip and is grateful, and as timely turns around to make another cup for himself, X5 prunes D90 from the back. And X5 asks timely where the device is, timely puts his hands up and surrender. From there, the scene moves back to OB, Casey, and Mobius. Obi realizes Miss Minutes has taken control of the systems, and that's why the temp pads weren't working. Mobius tells Obi to grab the multiplier, and they arrive at the spot where D90 was pruned and the hot cocoa was spilled on the ground. Loki and Sylvie meet up with them at this point, and Loki asks what's going on. Mobius tells them that Timely is gone, and Miss Minutes is back. Also, I had a really big question here. Maybe I'll save it for a debate, but uh, yeah, I'm going to come back to what else was on the ground other than the spill of the hot cocoa in the cup. There was something else there that you just left there for what fucking reason? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it later. But anyways, B-15 arrives and tells him that Docs and her team are dead. OB says the device should be ready, but they still need timely to unlock the door with his temporal aura. Loki picks up the prune stick that was on the floor and says, Renslayer doesn't want him. She wants the TVA. They're still here. And the scene cuts to X-5 bringing timely to Renslayer. She demands that Timely tells her where the fi- to find the device. She threatens him with a slow and painful death, which is the machine that would crush and destroy them. He's like, it's a very small box. But anyways, she uh, thre- uh, the loom is collapsing. Sylvie and Loki get uh, separated as the elevator closes, and Loki has to take the stairs. Obi tells Mobius that they're running out of time. The scene cuts to Sylvie in the elevator. The uh, she overrides Miss Minutes by pulling cords out of the speaker hole in the elevator, and she twists a few together. The scene shifts back to Loki. He the device in his hand turns green, and he's at the elevator. And then we see the current Loki. He turns a corner and sees his past self waiting for the elevator with that device in his hand as it turned green. So we have our big full circle moment from episode one. He has the prune stick. Everything makes sense from that first episode when he was miraculously pruned out of nowhere after the thing turned green and it didn't look like there he was going to be able to get pruned in time. But uh, his current self 
ends up going to hit himself, his past self in the back with a prune stick. He prunes his current self, and that's when he sees Sylvia at the elevator door trying to pull herself out, just like he saw in that little future thing back in episode one of season two. So we got our full circle moment. It finally makes sense how Loki was able to make it out of that time and stop the time slipping when the thing turned green, when it looked like there was nothing around. It all come full circle. Now, uh, he, uh, he pulls Sylvia out of the elevator and he promises her that this will all make sense. Now the phone starts ringing. Loki picks it up and it's OB asking Loki what's taking them so long. Loki tells them Miss Minutes is sabotaging everything and is slowing them down. Obi tells him that he could take Miss Minutes offline if he reboots the system, but he's concerned about the safety protocols. So they ask him about which safety protocols, and Obi responds that, that he, they'd have to take down the dampeners that prevent people from doing magic in the TVA. And simultaneously, they all scream at him, Turn it off! Because obviously, both the Lokis can do magic and make their lives a whole lot fucking easier if they can do magic in the TVA. Take those safety dampeners off. Knock Miss Minutes offline. Let's get this fucking party started. <laughs> so then <laughs> the scene shifts to Timely, and he's explaining to Renslayer about the process. X5 thinks he's stalling for time, and there's another power surge. Miss Minutes says she's going to go investigate, but then realizes the others are rebooting the system and are locking her out. And as she starts to shut down, she says she's got to say one more thing to Timely. And she starts glitching and, and not being able to be really understood. And finally, uh, right before she goes fully offline, she says, you'll never be him. And then she's finally shut down. And you see like little X's over her eyes. It's really funny. But uh, X5 at that point goes to check it out. He hears Loki ask him if he fancies a rematch. And out of nowhere, Silly grabs X5's head and enchants him. The next five goes back into the room where Renslayer and Timely are, except right now he's under Sylvie's enchantment. And while he goes and distracts Renslayer, Loki and Sylvie run in and grab Timely. X5 under Sylvie's enchantment prunes Renslayer. So now Renslayer's gone, or so we think. He just pruned her, so don't have to worry about her anymore. And as they're running to get to OB, Casey, and Mobius, Sylvie lifts the enchantment on X5. Next five standing in the room confused as to why he's there and doesn't seem to know what happened. And from there, the scene shifts back to Loki and Sylvie, and they're getting to the room of Victor Timely. They get Timely to put his head in the temporal aura scanner. It worked and unlocks the doors. As they see what's happening outside, Obi tells him it's worse than he thought, and they have to move fast. Loki says he'll put on the suit, but Timely tells him that it should be him. He says... He needs to do it because something could go wrong, and he knows how to fix it and how things work if it does go wrong. So Obi gives Timely the quick instructions to load the multiplier, launch it, and get back. Timely gets suited up, grabs a throwpoint multiplier, and tells him he's ready. So Obi opens the doors, and as soon as Victor Timely steps foot on the gangway, the radiation immediately rips him apart into little strands of ribbon, and he's gone. And they're all left in disbelief, and they have no clue what to do. And the loom finally disintegrates and falls apart. And the last thing we see is Loki's eyes as the screen flashes white. And it's the end of the episode. So, that is the summary of it from start to finish. Chase, give us your thoughts and your takeaways on this episode. Yeah, I thought it was a good episode, man. It's definitely building. We had that full circle moment where we finally saw why... In the words on the episode I covered, like, Loki vanished <laughs> into thin air. He was actually pruned. So we're bringing it all full circle here, still building up. Uh, I mean, I don't really see Ravona as a savage villain. Like, she's no Ramsey Bolton. Because I can kind of, I can't really, I can't get on board with her. But I understand why she has the intentions she does. But I think it's a, you know, it's... It, definitely was intense i mean it kept you on your toes the whole episode so i thought it was good it was well written uh what about you jay nelly yeah i thought the episode was pretty good it had a little bit of everything that you're looking for had some action we got one thing that kind of sucked too is that we had a little redemption arc for docs and minutemen because obviously they were (laughs) somewhat of a played a villainous role in the beginning of this season since they were taking upon themselves to just bomb timelines and were ending multiple people's lives. 
And that you know, a big part of this was B15 trying to figure out what to do. And Judge Gamble saying, look, you know, back in the day, the TVA would have pruned him. But you brought it to our attention that we need to change and change now. So, you know, your words changed my opinion. Maybe you should go talk to them and really explain why working together would be in everyone's best interest. And so it was kind of disappointing to not get a full redemption arc from Docs and the Minutemen. You know, they were going, they like, you know, basically we're going to agree with B15 and, and help out. That's when Renslayer came in and then killed them all, massacred them with the little machine. I guess Miss Minutes did it, but, you know, she was essentially following Renslayer's orders, you know, so they never got an opportunity to, to make amends. I guess them not following her and not doing further harm was them making amends, but it would have been nice to see them escape and be a big part of the reason why they took down Renslayer and that they were able to do more and have more assistance. You know, that'd be nice to see them really helping out the TVA in that way. But it is what it is. You know, we ended up getting her and her rest of her Minutemen. We saw how that ended up. That was kind of a Ramsey Bolton moment since you want to bring him up and like having them all <laughs> tortured and crushed inside that machine. You know, there was probably about 15 to 20 people. Imagine just all your bones cracking and exploding. Your body's exploding intertwined together since you put them all, all 15 <laughs> to 20 of them in the same fucking box. You know, and, and just destroyed it. Yeah, that so was that's pretty messed fucking up. gross. You know, I'm glad that I'm, I'm almost glad they didn't show it on screen. You know, I'm, I'm all for the morbidity of stuff, but and that one looked nasty. People's like legs splattered, blood in there, all mixed in with other people's blood and body parts. You know, all fucking mangled. That would remind you of the body monster from The Witcher. You know, <laughs> that, that's what that would look like. So, that's right. Yeah, you know, it's like the haunting on Hill House or some shit. We don't want to see that. But, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting development, a little full circle uh, of Docs being a bad character or a character that did poor actions and making their way back around to the good side before, or make, at least making a decision not to do more harm, I guess, would be the better way to put that. So it was nice to see that from, from Docs and her Minutemen. But obviously I would have liked to see them actively uh, work towards either protecting or defending and being more helpful to maybe even give the other guys a little bit more time so there's other things they didn't have to worry about. But whatever, it didn't happen that way. Uh, I did think it was a little bit interesting with the whole hot cocoa machine. You know, the, the, Victor Timely never n- was obsessed with this damn hot cocoa machine. D90 would have been just fine. He never would have been captured by Renslayer. You know, all these things were just delays and delays and delays of stuff that they could have been, you know, a little bit faster. And we know how speed... Uh, could affect what's going on because you know at the very end of this episode didn't even take more than one step out the gangway took one step and he was ripped to shreds you know if everything was you know done ahead of time and maybe you know in the future we'll see as things go faster if anything does change or not you know so people can make the argument of uh you know what does it really matter but either way you know just of, of where it stands at where it's at today i thought that was interesting i also thought uh it was cool, like they that the whole argument with Sylvia and Loki about you know what to do with people's free will. You know, Loki's like, you can't just give it to him and just walk away. It doesn't work like that. And Sylvia's like, well, yeah, it kind of does. Like, you know, we can't sit here and be monitoring every aspect of people's lives. We're not here to play God. And Loki's like, well, dude, we, we are gods, man. Like, so I just, I know, I don't know. They they had this. Uh, they are the same. Obviously, they're the vari- variants of each other. But they approach things very differently. And, and so it's almost like a, you're in a conflict with yourself. And I thought that was really cool. The little bit of uh, symbolism behind them arguing with each other, trying to come up with a solution. It's like in, you know, when you ever have those internal struggles inside yourself, in a way, it just happened to be personified by two individuals doing it. So I thought that that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, and then you you almost had, I don't want to say a plot twist, but I definitely don't believe that when people watched this for the first time, they expected Tommy to go out there and immediately die, and then the episode to end with the thing blowing up in the TVA, turning the screen white, and, and all of a sudden it's nothingness, and you, you know, you're sat there like, what the hell? You know, I don't think a lot of people really anticipated that happening, so it was really cool that they kind of pulled a pulled a fast one on us, and made us think that you know, their, their whole 
that this whole thing was going to work. And then all of a sudden it didn't work. And now you're like, Oh shit. Did they just all die? Like, you know, then you know, I guess we're not, you're kind of stuck here. And then, you know, as you continuously watch the remaining of the episodes, things get answered. But for where this stayed right here, it was almost like a jaw dropping moment of like, um, what? <laughs> like, 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 like Loki's gone. They're all gone. Like what, what, what where you, can you go from here? You know? So I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, wait, like a cliffhanger to leave us off on of like, did everyone just die? Is the TVA gone? What happens now? Like, isn't that supposed to be it? If that's, if that's gone, everything's gotta be gone. Right. So it just was really interesting to, uh, to kind of end on such a big monumentous moment of, a, in a way that you don't expect. So I think overall, if you put this in a nutshell, this was a very, very good episode. And again, I think I have been talking about it before. It just, it's everything kind of t- seems to take its next step. And and I also thought it was cool too of everyone kind of working together in their own ways, especially like the scientists. When Obi and you know Casey and Timely, the you know Casey, you don't even think about him most of the time when you think about these top-rated characters of of these people having unnatural abilities. But Casey's really intelligent himself, and he understands things that you wouldn't expect him to just you know get. He seemed just almost as if he was a desk worker in the beginning of the show that didn't really mean too much. And now he's one of the top three physicists on the damn thing that understands how things are going. So I thought it was really cool to see OB timely and him all work together to kind of put these things and this plan in place. And then again, just to watch it all be basically for nothing as it didn't work. Cause Tommy got ripped to shreds. It was, it was really cool overall. So those are my thoughts overall on it. Did you want to say anything about those thoughts before we jump into your debates for the day? Yeah, I just thought it was a really good episode. I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, I think it was a big shock to see Victor Timely, <laughs> he who remains, run out on that platform and just dissolve. You're kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, okay, clearly we have a problem here. Um, and I always just go back to kind of thinking about like how kind of extreme circumstances the are these are, what they're dealing with. And it's really... Um, really creative that they're able to bring it down on a level-headed scale so that way we can really understand the risks involved here because if you think about it like we beat a dead horse before i mean what they're doing is you know we thought thanos what he was doing was wild and they were keeping infinity stones in the desk with casey like paperweights and now you're dealing with entire branches you're trying to save that are timelines with people on them so it's it's like how far does the scale go so i mean they've definitely been creative but uh uh, what debates do you have for the day jay Okay, you want me to just kick us off? I'll kick us off with the debates. I've got two again. I know I had two last week. I'm debating your head off here, but uh, I got two again here. The first one I want to know is let's let's take it back to that room where B15 went in to Docs and the prisoners and gave them this big speech about how they all want the TVA to survive and they care about the people there, and she walks out. And then very shortly after... Ravona Renslayer walks in. Do you remember where Ravona Renslayer was at the end of last episode? She was at the end of time with he remains corpse sitting in the chair. That's where she was. My question is how the fuck did Ravona know that Docs X5 and the other Minutemen were in the holding room? She was not at the TVA. So how the hell did she know just to show up fucking there and just there was going to be a bunch of prisoners waiting for her to come speak to him? I, that's my question. She hasn't been at the TVA since this season started. So how the hell does she know they got captured and they're there in that holding cell? You know what I mean? Because Miss Minutes isn't over there. She's with Ravana and they were talking to each other at the beginning of this episode and at the end of last episode. So how in the world did she just like randomly press the time door button, hop into that holding cell like, hey, I know you guys are here, so I just want to show up and say what's up. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like, is that something I'm missing here? Is that a plot hole? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's a plot hole at its finest. Good for you for picking that up. I mean, the only thing I could think of is if she picked it up on the tin pad and was like, oh, this is where all the agents are over at the TVA where I originally knew that area was. That's the only thing I can think of. But yeah, she hasn't been there all season. So (laughs) I have no idea. 
bro, all season she has not been there, and it's like it's not as if all these uh, docs and all these minimen have temp pads in the holding cell. They're prisoners. They've got nothing. You know, they've got these time collars on their necks so they can't go anywhere or do anything. So how in the world are you just gonna? pop into that door and be like yeah i knew you guys were here i know you were waiting for me to come in and make you an offer you couldn't refuse <laughs> like dude how does that make sense at all that was one of the big problems i had i just like how are you going to explain to me that she knew that these people were there so i i you know i you didn't see her transport into the tva and did bring someone to the side like hey where are they holding everybody you know what i mean like obviously i i guess maybe because that, yeah, she wasn't even part of the original plan with Docs and them when they were bombing the timelines in the first episode. She wasn't even there. She was doing her own damn thing. So it's not like she was part of the original plan and just assumed they got caught. And then knowing the TVA she does, because she was kind of the head of the TVA in the first season of Loki. Like, just be like, okay, well, I know where they keep prisoners is the Holden cell. It's like, she wasn't even part of that. So how did she know anyone even got caught? How did she know there was any prisoners anywhere you know what i mean like that, that these are questions i've got is like i just don't understand who gave her the knowledge that there were prisoners and who those prisoners were and how they would just be there when she decided to open up the damn time door in there i don't know what you have any thoughts on it my only stretch you could possibly make is since she was at the end of time maybe she saw all timelines and where the agents were being kept but then why would you care like, why would you really care at that point? I mean, it really has nothing to do with the exact moment in time and what you're trying to figure out. So, I don't know, man. I think they just kept going and didn't bother to look at the previous episode. They just decided this is where she's going. Great point. Yeah, and, you know, I guess the only thing I could think of... Well, no, because they ended up getting a hit when Miss Minutes was back because she locked them all out of their devices. Because I was going to say... Well, maybe Miss Minutes has access to the system and can see the security cameras or whatever and can see there's people in the holding cell. But then they would have gotten a notification that Miss Minutes was back in the system because they got it when she... So, I don't know, man. We're in this big quandary of is this a plot hole or is there something blatantly obvious I'm missing and just thinking too far into it? I don't know. What are your final thoughts on it before I go into my second debate? You got me on this one, man. I, I mean, usually I can find something to be like, oh, hell no. No, I, I totally disagree with that and everything you just said. But no, you, you got me there, man. That makes flat out no sense. I can't believe I didn't pick up on it before. I guess the fact that, you know, I was just kind of accepting. I was, I was too focused on Miss Minutes and her artificial intelligence to realize that they just teleported their ass wherever they wanted to go goku instant transmission along the timeline <laughs> that's what we're literally doing on this because they didn't pick up just like you said 100 percent here you know before they're at least picking up weird signals on tim pads like at least that give them an idea they didn't even have any signal on the tim pad so how she fucking opened the door she just randomly uh, is she randomly just at the same time how did she even pick up the correct timeline? I mean, can she just calculate it in and type it in where she wants to go, I guess, and just appeared? She, she just appeared. Yeah, it <laughs> seems know. like it. You know, I mean, she was able to appear in a lot of different places. So I'm assuming, you know, that she's she has the ability to do that. The thing is, is usually there's a ping, and that's where Casey first got the hit on her, on her temp pad. So, you know that's the the whole deal is that let's just assume that she has the ability to kind of go anywhere. It still should have alerted someone in the TVA. And let's just say maybe they were so busy focused on fixing the loom that they didn't notice there was a hit on the temp pad from Renslayer, which I can, I can at least buy that. But still, I, again, how do we know that we're just going to go to this specific room and there's going to be prisoners in this room that we need to give a choice to. That's what my biggest thing is. Like, I guess I can try and explain away the fact that uh, that she can kind of go where she wants when she wants because you know she was able to do that before. And then, but it did alert people. But okay, let's just say it did alert them. They were too busy. They weren't paying attention. So okay, she's back in the TVA without anyone knowing. Fine, I can somewhat live with that. 
But my thing is, like, dude, she went right to the holding cell, expected the prisoners to be there, and gave them a choice. It's like, dude, you didn't even know they had prisoners. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you weren't there when they got captured. You weren't there when they were bombing the, the, the timelines. You weren't a part of it. I could at least see the fact that she was part of it, and they were taking Renslayer's orders, and Renslayer escaped, and they captured them. And, you know, with the powers of deduction, they're probably going to hold the prisoners in the holding room. Sure, that makes sense. But Renslayer was not any part of that first plan of destroying and bombing the timelines that, that Dox was the one in charge of and leading. So... I don't know, man. I I guess that there there's might be an explanation I'm missing, and I might just be overthinking it. But I just don't see how in the world she just happened to know that there was prisoners in that holding cell. Anyways, to move on to part two of my debate, this is the part that I said I was going to bring back up uh, earlier in this episode. This is a part where the after D ninety was pruned by X five by the hot cocoa machine. And, you know, that we see that hot cocoa cup fall and there's a splatter of it there. And they all run, like, you know, when everyone kind of arrives to that spot looking for Timely, realizing he's been gone for a while, there was something else that was lying there as well. It was a prune stick. Why the hell would X5 just leave a prune stick laying there that someone else could utilize as a weapon against him and Ravana later on? Why wouldn't you just pick up that, that prune stick? And even though you had your own, I know you had your own because you're pruning from behind. But why would you just leave a weapon there that anyone can just pick up? Because what ended up happening is Loki picked up that prune stick and ended up being able to come full circle later on and, and prune himself in the back. So my whole thing is like, that prune stick should have never been there. There's no reason that you're going to just leave a weapon. Dude, if I if someone has a gun at my friend is about to shoot them, but they don't see me come behind him and I can shoot them from behind, I'm not just leaving that gun on the fucking ground. I'm not just going to leave that there for any old person to pick up. You never know who's going to fucking use it. You know what I mean? It just made no sense for that prune stick to just be lying there. And again, Loki was to use that exact prune stick to go full circle back from the first episode of season two where he ended up having to prune himself while the thing turned green or find a way to be pruned. And we found out what that looked like in this episode here and how it came around full circle. But it should have never done that because there shouldn't have been a prune stick there because who just fucking leaves weapons lying around on the ground? I don't know. That's my my second debate. So I guess the, the, I'll leave that to... Question up to you. I mean, you can look at this from two perspectives. I mean, well, one, I totally see what you're saying. I guess he was, you know, got caught up in the moment, man. He just forgot it was there. (laughs) He just kept going. But honestly, I think it's something the writing did because they couldn't figure out a way to get from A to B. Because that has to be what it is because otherwise you're just going to keep, I mean, I won't say going in circles, but you know, how many episodes does it take to find a prune stick at this point? (laughs) Like, I mean, uh, and you're, you kind of backed yourself into a corner here where if you didn't have something, well, you know, you got to find a way to connect the dots. And I think that's the hardest part is connecting the dots. So, I'm just going to accept it as that or the fact that I'm going to accept it as that and accept it as, well, maybe he just got caught up in the moment. <laughs> that's a, that's the only thing I can think of. What's your thoughts, Jay Nelly? My thoughts are like we have another uh, writing issue. You know, there's not very many of them. This one's this show's pretty well written for what it deals with i'll say it's pretty well written you know it deals with a lot of time travel and anytime and you you and i've mentioned this multiple times throughout these episodes of that when you mess with time travel there's just infinite possibilities and with the infinite possibilities there's just infinite amounts of like things that don't make sense or if they do make sense they can be altered in a way that they don't or vice versa things you can make things that don't make sense make sense because everything's possible so you really kind of are in a tough pickle here when you start diving into these alternate realities and these different timelines. And so I will say for the most part, they did a, they've done a really good job. But these small little nuanced things are it's just, you know, it's just me being nitpicky. You, you know me and anyone who's listened to this podcast for the past three plus years knows that I will go out of my way to try to find problems with things. And that could be a microcosm for issues in my own life, but you know, we'll leave the the psychoanalysis <laughs> for another day. But in any event, my point being is that like, 
I get that you, it's very hard to cover all your bases. But they, like, and, I, and I'm be honest, maybe most people didn't even notice that. Maybe most people didn't notice that the prune stick was there. Maybe notice that that's a problem. But when you really think about it, that is an issue. Like you're not going to leave a fully charged weapon behind just laying on the ground. I don't really see anyone doing that. Like it's not like he had a rush and he couldn't take ten seconds to pick it up and put it in his back pocket. Like we've seen Victor Timely. What about Victor Timely? Looks like a formidable person who's going to be able to take that away from you and you know use it on you like no dude like pick up the fucking uh, prune stick or at the very least dude like destroy it you know let's say you don't want to pick it up because you don't have the thing like at least toss it out of the way like like do something with it he just left it there you know and again it, it, it is what it is because we did end up needing to have to get that full circle moment of loki getting pruned as that device turned green from episode one we did need that so whatever like i'm letting it slide it's just, I don't know. It, it did kind of frustrate me, and I want to make, I want to at least bring it to people's attention because I think that's something that is very easy to miss if you're not really looking for it. And you know, that's part of what we do here is bring up those things that are easy to miss. Uh, but you know, then same thing with like the whole Ravana Renslayer just randomly appearing in that room, knowing people are in there. Like, it's easy to just accept, but can we get an explanation of how she knew that and and all? You know, so there are there are nuances to things that you know, that, that should be answered in any event, man, that, that, that's what I got from my debate today. Let's jump into yours. Yeah, I guess just feeding off of that. Let's say if, you know, if Loki doesn't get pruned and that agent picks up that prune stick, what happens? I think that's it for Loki, right? Because like, if he, like, that was the whole issue. He was nonstop time slipping and like that was the whole deal if he didn't make it back by a certain time he was going to be trapped in an infinite loop of whatever so really unless another prune stick emerged see here's another thing i could actually see like work for a second i could actually see like loki having to take somebody out and then taking someone's prune stick from them that would make more sense loki's a good fighter these hunters are pretty base level, nothing special to them, meaning they're not going to be able to fight Loki one-on-one, especially if Loki's got the ability to use magic now that the dampener's lifted. you know. So being able to take a prune stick from someone would be pretty easy. And I think that's probably the route they should have gone. But to answer your question of, you know, let's say the prune stick wasn't there and there was no prune stick to be found period he couldn't take it off anyone there wasn't anything there that first episode would have been kind of it in terms of loki's involvement because he would not have been able to get out of the the continuous time slipping that he was doing that they made that they like the Ouroboros made him that device and made mobius go out on that gangway initially and and smash that button and you know that that what that button gave loki a certain a window of time where the device he was holding turned green and while it turned green he had to be pruned while it was green and he looked like he was fucked back in that episode because nothing was around to prune him he was stuck in that hallway looking at the elevator looking at sylvie so if he didn't have a prune stick he'd kind of be just stuck in a continuous loop and we wouldn't have loki there to help and then that causes a whole other chain of issues that those are my thoughts on that what are yours yeah i i, I guess he'd be I mean, talk about really full circle. Like we say, one continuous loop. I guess it's just what he would do. Pretty much and explode, most likely, because he'd just continue to do that. But who knows for how long. I mean, I guess he's just kind of stuck. Like in one loop, he can't really do anything. I guess that's what would happen. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think at that point, Sylvie basically has to step in and try to figure things out but she doesn't want to anyways so i think at that point everyone just kind of stays in their own timeline she's back in mcdonald's and you know whatever happens happens right <laughs> i mean everyone's just then living then a happy life dies. except for loki let's say then everyone dies because like the loom just over explodes like and just expands and no one helps it no one can 
bring the people together. They can't unlock the door because they never go back and get timely. They can't unlock the door. The loom just explodes. All the timelines cease to exist anyways, and there's no McDonald's timeline. Sylvie's gone. Like, everyone dies. <laughs> like, really? Because Sylvie, her initial mind was only changed because of Loki, and if he wasn't there to sit there and change her mind and tell her all these outcomes of what happens if you just sit there and kill all the variants and try to live out your life as a normal McDonald's employee, like, she would never have come to the around have been like okay i guess you know i've got to step in and help these idiots out again you know so without loki that never happens without that happening sylvie never comes back and helps out without sylvie helping out no one ever fixes the problem and then the problem you know it it comes full circle and destroys everybody i mean yeah i mean I don't know. This is uh, not to beat a dead horse. We talk about it a lot. This is where like I have problems with, you know, bringing in the concept of time because it's almost like what's the threat here at this point? Like, I mean, anything can be fixed. Anything can be missed. I mean, who really knows? Because it, it it's such so many different options that can come from this. I mean, who really knows what if it would be a threat or not? Like, I mean, say who? I mean, yeah, I guess the loom would explode, but no one really ever knew in the first place at that point because everyone's just back in their branches, right? Well, I think all, all branches are destroyed. For, like, if there's no loom, there's no sacred timeline. There's no sacred timeline. There's no existence. That's my thing. Is like everything ceases to exist. Yeah. So everyone vanishes, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's the only thought. I guess that's what happens. Question on this, right? I heard this once. Interesting to think about, which, of course, we know, like, time happens because we age. But if you think about perspective, I heard this somewhere. Someone said, I think it was like Joe Rogan or something. He was like, if you think about the concept of time, it could possibly just be the way we perceive things like time technically is like human created because if you go to one side of the world they're on another side of time so but if i randomly just said hey it's four o'clock here and it's two o'clock there technically i'm in the future like what do you think do you think it's like do you think we're on an actual like linear timeline uh, or do you think it's just the way humans perceive aging and the way uh cells like develop that's a really deep question but just a thought i'm going to answer this in two different ways the first way i'm going to tell you is that time is a social construct of numbers you know the numbers that you look at a clock three o'clock four o'clock that's a social construct because four o'clock here is one o'clock in california you know and that's 16 hours difference to Australia. So time is a social construct in terms of way to kind of keep a day paced and and productivity and things of that nature. And, you know, the the calendars that we create, all of that are just ways to keep track and document stuff. So realistically, if calendars and days were never invented or not invented, or like I should say put into practice, it, I would say that it would just be nonstop. It wouldn't be like last year or this. There would, there would never be a last year. It would just be more of a straight line of, of days because a year wouldn't exist since a calendar wouldn't exist. And so I think there's ways to kind of keep track and and document historic events and how things happen from the time a sun comes up to the sign, the time a sun goes down. So time is definitely a social construct in the way that we utilize it and how we make sense of it. But one thing that is not a social construct and is reality is the fact that time is linear, meaning it only goes one direction. And that's the real question. If there's a way that we can manipulate time to where we can make time not linear and be able to go backwards and that's what time travel is and stuff that we try to mess around with and we try to wrap our heads and brains around and who knows if people have figured it out and we don't know yet but point being is as of right now what we know time is linear it goes one direction that's why we're not getting you know we're not going back towards a fetus we're getting older towards 
you know, and, you know, we're going just one direction. So it's, it's, it's a social construct in terms of how he documents stuff, but it does exist in a linear fashion, meaning it only goes one direction and that's forward. We're not going back. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to, you know, wake up and I'm 14 again. You know what I mean? So, and when I say 14 again, that's, that's a number that we put on stuff, but I won't be, you know, 155 pounds and look like a lot younger than I did when I wake up tomorrow. You know what I mean? So time is linear in, in the fact that it moves forward and we only go one direction. I do think that it's an interesting theory of is there a way we can perceive time in a nonlinear fashion and we can go back in time or forward in time or, or off this timeline into a separate timeline. They think that those are real questions that we don't really have a ton of answers to. I mean, the, the conventional wisdom says, no, you know, all we've ever known is born, live, get old, die. Right. So like, and again, that's one direction, but if there is a way that we can, you know, proceed in a different fashion, if there's a way to do it, who knows? I don't have the answer to that question, but I think those questions are being asked. And I think there are experiments going on every single day, trying to see if there are, uh, ways, things like that could happen. So like, I don't know. That was a long winded answer that I didn't really answer. Cause again, I, I don't have, I'm not a physicist, not an astrophysicist. Yeah. I don't know these things. I'm just simply speaking from the viewpoint of, I know that we mark days on calendars and use time as a way to document and record and track history. And I know that time here is different than time, whatever, where the sun ends up being at Zenith throughout the world. You know, like I said, it's, if it's noon here, it's nine o'clock in California because at nine o'clock, the sun hasn't risen to where it would have been at noon, where it is noon over here on the East coast. And, you know, so it just helps us keep track of the sun's rising and falling. So those, those parts of it are socially constructed man-made institutions of time. But like I said, the one thing that never changes is that time goes forward. So that's what I got for you. Yeah, no, that was that was deep. That was good stuff. That uh, I agree with you because uh, think of it this way too. What's interesting to think about if you think about other planets with gravity and how gravity works. Well, like for instance, like here on Earth, right? <laughs> like it's weird to say like here on Earth, like because <laughs> like it's weird to think about. There's so many other things that could be out there, right? like gravity and how the earth rotates on its axis really determines like the seasons and how long days are and stuff. You got to like some other planet that could be out there. And if it rotates slower, well then the days get longer. Right. So like, who's to say like how aging works there? Like, I mean, a year to them is like 10 years, like you're 10 years old or whatever. It's just weird to think about. And I mean, the, I think the truth is you really never know. I mean, there's a lot of weird theories out there too. Like, interesting with the time slipping stuff which i think this just this is way off the you know off the rocker here for this show (laughs) to go into like deep like this i mean we talk about fantasy fiction but because we just so happen to be covering something that really deals with a lot of these concepts but in a fantasy fiction way if you think about time slipping i heard someplace some theorist um watch a lot of these like youtube interviews with scientists and stuff this is what happens when you cut out cable (laughs) you you have these streaming services but you never actually and you never really watch a show and binge it because this is what jane ellie and i do here so like when you binge something it really turns into work but fun work (laughs) so like what i saw some theorists was saying like if you ever had the concept of deja vu there's some like idea there's two theories there's a theory that maybe time is continuous right like maybe we're experiencing the same moment over and over and over and we really can't tell and you kind of like wonder like what your time life is or that it's been it's so close to something similar that's happened before you really can't pick up the difference in the human brain so it's interesting thinking about like all these time slippings and stuff what's your thought on that yeah deja vu is an interesting case because you know I've heard it said that you're seeing something you've already done before 
and that's why it feels like you've done it. And I've also heard what you mentioned as well, that it, there's a theory that time is cyclical and you're just on a loop doing the same things over and over again. And you're basically repeating your lifetime nonstop. And, you know, obviously there's no answer. These are all theories because I think one of the most common things to do as a human is to make sense out of life, which is almost an impossible, it is an impossible task. There's really no, no sense in, in, in terms of a following along of like, okay, I get why I'm alive and I'm here and I'm doing these things and I get why I die and stop doing these things. Like, like it's just, it's, it's an, uh, it's a concept you can't grasp. There's no, like people have searched for the meaning of life since the beginning of time. Right. And it's just, there's no, that don't, if there is an answer, I don't think it's coming in our lifetime. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's anything that can be answered. It, it's where it's people seem to, you know, we want to make a, a, an impact with the time that we have. And, you know, most people want to be of service and helpful and leave the place better than when we came into it. And that's a, a great goal and, and, uh, something that I, I believe most people should strive to do and at the end of the day. Like what's the purpose Like, what, what's the meaning of it? Like, why do we do it? What's the why? And it's just something that, that has never been answered and likely will never be answered. It's the philosophical question and, you, you know, people can debate it until their ears fall off, but there's just no resounding answer. We don't have an answer to it. You know, it, it's, there's a few questions out there like that, you know, the, as many theories as there are, we just are never really going to know. And yeah, I, I, who knows? I guess, that, <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't know. And we're just, trying to do what we can with the time that we're given. But what is, what is the reason we have this time that is given in the first place? Couldn't answer that for you. No clue. No, nobody does. And that's kind of one of the biggest questions that we have on this earth. So yeah, dude, like I, I don't really know how I feel about deja vu. I don't know how to feel about time being cyclical. Like I can see, I mean, I think there's other theories as well too, meaning that you've done it in an alternate universe but things are different like you ever people have feelings that they've done something before it's actually happened not deja vu but like knowing what the outcome is going to be before you even do it just internally knowing the outcome and not having a reason why you know that and there's you know theories on those types of moments too but yeah, we kind of thrown ourselves way out of uh, our our league of what we we cover here you know we're <laughs> We're uh, experts at fantasy fiction, not experts at science and the meaning of life. So it's just, you know, we could talk about it at, at, at exhausting length, but we just, you know, there's no, there's no answer that we're ever going to come up with that really answers the question you asked. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. Throwback to LOTR, Lord of the Rings. There's got to be a Tom Bombadil out there somewhere <laughs> that can answer it for us. But with that, man, I'll let you close us out, brother. All right, brother. Sounds like a plan. Well, folks, if this is the first time you've tuned in and listened to us, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of where you can find us online, we are on all the social media platforms. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Got a TikTok at ridiculous Patronus backup tiktok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy we also have our facebook fan page chase and josh factor fantasy we're on youtube ridiculous patronus we're on uh twitter rp factor fantasy snapchat rp factor fantasy and we do have our own website ridiculous patronus.blogspot.com so please click like subscribe leave comments write out written reviews leave star ratings any form of engagement is super helpful to us here on the show. And in terms of where you can find the show and where you listen to your podcasts, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, we're on Google Play. We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher, Acast, our host site, Podbean. 
wherever you get your podcasts. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing Signing off. off.